Welcome to the Mindfulness Meditation Podcast presented by the Rubin Museum of Art. We are a museum in Chelsea, New York City that connects visitors to the art and ideas of the Himalayas and serves as a space for reflection and personal transformation. I'm your host, Dawn Eshelman. Every Monday we present a meditation session inspired by a different artwork from the Rubin Museum's collection and led by a prominent meditation teacher from the New York area. This podcast is a recording of our weekly practice, currently held virtually. In the description for each episode, you will find information about the theme for that week's session, including an image of the related artwork. Our Mindfulness Meditation Podcast is presented in partnership with Sharon Salzberg and teachers from the New York Insight Meditation Center, the Interdependence Project, and Parabola Magazine. And now, please enjoy your practice. Hello, everybody. So nice to be here with you today. Welcome to Mindfulness Meditation Online with the Rubin Museum of Art. I'm Dawn Eshelman. So happy to be here with you hosting. And for those of you who are new, we are a museum of Himalayan art and ideas in New York City, the Rubin Museum of Art, and so glad to have you joining us for this weekly program. This is where we combine art and meditation online and inspired by our collection we take a look at a work of art together we'll hear a brief talk from our teacher Uh, today we have the fabulous sharon salzberg she's back here with us and then we'll have a short sit together led by sharon 15 to 20 minutes also today and throughout the month we are talking about the theme of healing healing This is inspired by an exhibition I'll tell you a little more about in a a moment um, called Healing Practices, which we just opened. So let's take a look together at this beautiful artwork and we'll talk about what this means to us in terms of healing here. Okay, so here we see a beautiful tanka. This is the Medicine Buddha Palace. Look at all of that detail. This painting is a rendition of the first painting of an important set of 79 medical tankas, um, scroll paintings, uh, that were created in Lhasa in Tibet in the late 17th century. And this is a copy of of one of those. Um, This is from Qinghai province in China. And it was created in 2012 to 13. These are pigments on cloth. You'll see that we are looking at the structure. Uh, We see um, a row of Buddhas across the top and script uh, across the bottom. And then we see what looks, if, if you are familiar with looking at some of the art from our collection, you might see that this is actually in the form of a mandala, right? Or a, a palace. And surrounding the palace we see incredible detail plants and this is actually four mountains the palace here that we see is surrounded by four mountains each of which offers a perfect environment for specific medicinal plants to grow and harbors various types of minerals precious stones and springs with restorative waters each associated with particular healing qualities and used in treatment. So at the very center 
you'll see the Medicine Buddha in blue here. And I actually pulled a slightly different copy of this painting just for its vibrancy and detail here. You can see really at the center here, we have the Medicine Buddha who is in the form of the teacher, Rigpa Yeshe, and is, is seen sharing wisdom and information about healing to four different groups of disciples. This blue of the Medicine Buddha is, is very uh, linked to the Medicine Buddha. And if you come to the Healing Practices exhibition, you'll see a lot of blue. And that is why. So I am delighted to welcome our teacher today, Sharon Salzberg, who's the co-founder of the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. She has guided meditation retreats around the world for many years. And her latest book is Real Change, Mindfulness to Heal Ourselves in the World. Also the author of Real Love, Real Happiness, so many really beautiful, useful books and tools for meditators of, of all different stages. And we're grateful to Sharon and her participation on stage and virtually so much at the Rubin. You can find out all about what she's doing at SharonSalzberg.com. Hi, Sharon. Hi there. And thank you for uh, having me and for this beautiful gathering. I always enjoy this chance to virtually come together with people from all over the world. And hello to the person from London, where I, I feel like I was in London yesterday because I taught for London Insight. Um, the miracle of the internet. So uh, I uh, I don't know if you know how the art for the particular session gets chosen, but uh, Pema or someone from the Rubin Museum sends the speaker a few options and we get to choose amongst them. And I chose this one uh, because I love the medicine Buddha. I love the idea of a blue Buddha. Um, and there was something about the the depiction. It, it seemed so gentle to me. And um, I really uh, was drawn to it in a lot of ways. And I've noticed the word healing being used a lot. I find that interesting just as a kind of look at the cultural norm. Um, you know, there are times when struggle is the most popular word or uh the idea of standing up for things. And these are all very important. And we seem to have entered a, a time where there's a yearning, there's a longing for some kind of healing. And so I think it's the perfect time to look at that concept and, and look at that possibility. So the Buddha, of course, uh, Siddhartha Gautama was known as the great physician because basically what he did was a diagnostic session saying um, there's suffering in life, there's a cause for it, there's the possibility of an end, and here's the way, here's the prescription. Um, and this is something that I think needs to be taken to heart, that this is really about coming to a, a place of greater healing. And, and anyone in the healthcare field knows that healing and cure are not necessarily the same term. Of course, as human beings, you know, with normal human feelings and longings and fears, we want cure for conditions, for situations, for obstacles, uh, for dilemmas, for um, prognoses. You know, we, we would like a cure, and that's natural. But uh, 
some things we can affect, some things we can change, some things we can alter, and some things are just outside of our immediate control. What we can do is look at healing in the sense of wholeness, which is something that we can foster and we can uh, help mold and help deepen no matter what is going on. And, and we feel that sometimes in people. Um, it may not be something that is uh, accepted very much in a kind of medical sense or, um, you know, when, when we're busy looking for a cure, but uh, it's there. And I think of uh, one example is uh, this woman who was one of my most important teachers, a woman named Deepama, which is a nickname for Deepa's mother. And um, Deepama uh, was living in Burma. Uh, her husband was in the civil service. By this time in their marriage, um, they had had three children. Two of them had died, you know, very tragically. And her husband came home from work one day and wasn't feeling well. And he died suddenly by that night. And so she was completely grief stricken and developed a heart condition. She got into bed. She couldn't get out of bed. And she still had her daughter Deepa to raise, but she couldn't function. And uh, the doctor came. This is the part that I find kind of startling and unique. The doctor came and said to her, you're actually going to die of a broken heart unless you do something about your mind. You should learn how to meditate. And so she got up, she got out of bed. She went to the meditation center. They say that she was so weak. The meditation hall was up a flight of stairs and she couldn't actually even walk up the stairs. Uh, she had to crawl, but she did. And when she emerged, uh, there was a quality, there was something that had happened within her where all of that grief and all of that pain had somehow been at least partially metabolized into compassion. And she uh, taught for many, many years after that. She was a very powerful teacher. She was very influential. Um, she was really strong. Uh, like a very determined woman. And um, she had a, a massive healing presence. It's like if you were with her and you confessed something you had done, she would just like take your hand and, and okay, let's, let's start again. Let's, let's begin again. Or uh, somebody showed me a film the other day of um, her. They made a film just like five minutes or so for taking different people including me, like, you know, 40 years ago, and putting our heads in her lap and just stroking, just stroking. You know, um, there was so much love. And the thing I find so powerful about people who have been through a lot of suffering is when they have uh, very little self-preoccupation and they're actually interested and caring about others. It's like, if you got off the train in Calcutta where she lived when we knew her, and you went up into her, her room in what we would consider a tenement, 
Um, and she would really want to know, how was your journey? Do you need more tea? Can I give you a biscuit? You know, and I used to look at her. I used to look at various people I met there uh, from different communities and think, boy, if I'd been through what you'd been through, I don't know if I'd care about anyone else's tea. You know, but there was something so whole within her, so connected that uh, she really understood that her suffering, of course, was real. It was genuine. And it was a part of being human. There's so much fragility and uh, change in just the course of a lifetime, even though we don't all suffer to the same degree. And so that sense of being united, being at one, feeling connected, feeling whole, caring, I think are the the signs of, of a kind of healing. Um, and I'm just so taken with the doctor giving that advice. And I thought, well, I wish all doctors gave that kind of advice. Um, and meditation may not be the way for a particular person, for sure. But there's something uh, often that can help us come back to that place of of connection with all. And that is really a tremendous healing. And that's what I feel every time I look at uh, piece of art like this very beautiful uh, painting so let's sit together you can just be comfortable close your eyes or not you can start by listening to sound I too am in New York City maybe bringing you some sound And unless you are responsible for responding to the sound, see if you can just let it wash through you. It can come and go. Bring your attention to the feeling of your body sitting, whatever sensations you discover. Bring your attention to your hands and see if you can move from the more conceptual level, like go fingers, to the world of direct sensation, picking up pulsing, throbbing, pressure, whatever it may be. You don't have to name these things, but feel them.
and bring your attention to the feeling of your breath, just the normal natural breath, wherever you feel it most distinctly. The nostrils, the chest or the abdomen. You can find that place, bring your attention there and just rest. See if you can feel one breath without concern for what's already gone by, without leaning forward for even the very next breath, just this one. And if images or sounds or sensations or emotions should arise and they're not very strong, if you can stay connected to the feeling of the breath, just let them flow on by. You're breathing. It's just one breath. something comes up and it is strong, see if you can recognize, oh, this is what's happening right now. This joy, this sorrow, whatever it might be, that's become predominant. And recognize it in a balanced way without judging it, judging yourself. Just acknowledging, oh, this is what's happening right now. And then see if you can bring your attention back to the feeling of the breath. And for all those perhaps many times, you're just gone, lost in thought, spun out in a fantasy, or you fall asleep. Truly, don't worry about it. The moment you realize that, that's the moment where we have the opportunity to practice letting go gently and beginning again, bringing your attention back to the feeling of the breath.
And when you feel ready, you can open your eyes or lift your gaze. Then we'll end the meditation. Thank you, Sharon. That concludes this week's practice. If you'd like to support the Rubin and this meditation series, we invite you to become a member. If you're looking for more inspiring content, please check out our new podcast, Awaken, hosted by Lori Anderson. The 10-part series features personal stories that explore the dynamic path to enlightenment and what it means to wake up. Now available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and thank you for practicing with us.